You're listening to the Web4 Marketing Podcast, where business owners, digital marketers, and creatives collide. topics if you have questions raise your hand let's let's talk it through um what changed in 2018 I'll, I'll, this is a general one for the panel if you were doing um if you were doing in-house or you were doing agency seo for your clients in 2019 what did 2018 teach you where you're like wow this is going to be a little bit different going into next year for budgets or for for what we do or what we focus on where'd you start to start here <clears throat> the biggest thing for me i learned in 2018 was that it's okay to get links how you can. <laughs> and, and, and it's really easy to get out of any sort of trouble. In 2017, I was still shell-shocked, gun-shy, afraid to develop any link that had any text, any anchor text whatsoever except my business name. In 2018, they made it a lot easier to get out of penalty. If you got a penalty for unnatural linking, you got notified, you said, I'm sorry, they said okay, and you were fine within a day. So that's what I learned in 2018, and 2019 hasn't shown me anything different so far, but it's only seven days. <laughs> yeah, it's on the SEO front for us, I think. It's in 2018, I think we, we learned that really from a fundamental basic standpoint, not much has, has changed from how we recommend optimization and, and content for, for our clients. So for us, a lot of stuff has, has really stayed the same in 2018. Uh, in 2019, I think, um, well, for us, it's a little bit stories yet to be written, but yeah. Uh, for 2018, I think the big thing for me, at least, is having done SEO previously and things, uh, any kind of redirect I've ever done in my career has always been a very, very scary thing. And um, in 2018, we did 40-plus redirects of different companies that we'd acquired and actually redirected our site, um, and they worked magnificently. Like, whatever the ranking was of the company before, we were able to almost supplant that ranking in the SERP, um, which was kind of incredible. And then the other thing was actually to talk to, about things that just kind of haven't changed, um, site speed. Like, it's unbelievable what a difference that actually makes. If you'd been on Vacasa at some point, you know, in the last, I don't know, five years, you'd notice that it's really slow getting a bunch of units up. And we fixed that. We took it from about seven seconds to one second, and we saw a ridiculous increase in ranking and revenue from that. So old things work, and then things like redirects working a lot better than they used to, at least. Uh, how many people in here uh, do local SEO by show of hands? Okay, quite a few people. So uh, last year is a great year for you guys, and next year is going to be even better. I, uh, we saw a huge explosion in uh, new features into Google My Business. We, I learned that Google My Business is actually getting serious uh, for once, finally, and actually adding new features, uh, getting serious about that. They're realizing that um, if they want to compete, they need to uh, add kind of social elements in there, things like messaging and all that. I mean, post-launch, uh, messaging launched, Q&A launched, services launched, description launched, um, oh gosh, and so many other things, right? Uh, my mat or Google uh, Match Score launched to match you in restaurant topics. They've launched so many features in uh, 2018. 2019 is, uh, we're gonna see, continue to see um, a trickling of those type of features as well as social features uh, into the SERPs as well as into Google My Business. And the other thing I learned is to, when I'm talking with my clients is to replace the word content with value. 
does a wonder of difference. I don't think I have anything to add, Matt. I'm, I'm more from the paid side, so like adding, <laughs> try to take away from these guys' SEO tips here. You can leave the panel immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Oh, oh okay. Right. So B2B, a little bit different, not as much you know, raw user acquisition or traffic. Sure. Very targeted from the paid and organic side. You know, I, I felt like Google squeezed local in particular and a lot of other niches you know, pretty hard and it was pretty tough to, to see a lot of opportunity. Did you feel that way about B2B and what you're doing or do you think B2B is a little more or less insulated or how did you feel about the paid and organic opportunities specific to B2B? Mm. It's, that's an interesting question. I don't think it was squeezed as much as what you're seeing from these other areas or impacted by algorithm changes from an SEO perspective. We certainly weren't seeing that. And so when we are talking B2B and SEO with our clients, uh, it's you know being a thought leader on a piece of content. And uh, it's usually a very, I don't want to say obscure, but it's not as impacted by other waves of an algorithm. So it's it's still the same to go what to to hop on to piggyback on what Anna said. It's still the same tried and true best practices there. Find that you know find your niches, go deep into your niches, be a thought leader there. I mean the nothing new in the SEO realm like poor quality stuff. I don't that's not we have I for example I thought of one client in particular who was producing a ton of content and they had a ton, um, but it was very poor quality content. And when you looked at like. As an example, they probably had 100 pieces of content, and we had a they had competitors who probably had like less than 20 pieces of content, and was outranking them all over the place because of the quality of their content. So again, nothing new, um, but it's definitely a quality game over a quantity game still. Did you, did you feel like on the paid side it was? Because I felt like it got really competitive. Yeah. Maybe on the paid side. Oh. So SEO felt like an opportunity because everybody felt like they were bidding on everything. There's a lot of brand, like everybody bids on everybody's brand and, yeah. and high, high value B2B. So I felt like on the paid side it got hard. Oh, for sure. The, the, um, we did an internal study across our uh, book of business and also um, WordStream produced a study. There was, so even like two years ago, we tell clients, B2B clients, so big archaic clients, don't worry about mobile. Don't worry about mobile. Like, and how long have all of us heard, like, it's the year of mobile. So B2B was like three years behind that, but it's no longer a thing. CPC saw almost a times two, like, times two increase in the CPCs because it got so much more competitive, mobile and across the board. Um, it was crazy, actually. Mobile was definitely the biggest increase, like 2x increase is wild. Yeah. All right. I'm going to switch to in-house really quick because Caleb's on the panel. We have to make, we have to make use of this time. <laughs> Please don't. Managing like a, big, a big enterprise program. Like Picasa, obviously, they're not hurting for brand recognition. They're not hurting for links. Like it's, a different, it's a different SEO game. It's a different search game altogether. Did you feel like 2018 was like, oh, this is great, having that kind of advantage and that kind of leverage? Or did you feel like, oh, this is, you know, Google is really rolling the dice that it just has even broader effects on a site that big? What did you see? Yeah, so um, at Picasa, we, we have a really, really strong belief in SEO. And we will continue to have this, the foundation of our website. That'll always be the foundation of our website. It's not going anywhere. And, um, you know, it, it's something that we put a whole lot of effort into. So to speak to the brand recognition, Picasa is very well known in Oregon. Picasa is not well known anywhere on the East Coast. Anywhere outside of this country or anywhere like in the Midwest or things like that, we have 0.4% brand recognition 
actually across the country. I didn't know. Yeah, neither did I until we did a study and found out. <laughs> and so uh, having known that, um, branded terms are great because we can convert them at a really high rate, but um, a lot of people are not. When they think vacation rentals and they're like, oh, I need to look for a vacation rental, a lot of people just type in Airbnb, right? Which is okay because we have our inventory on all these channels. But for Vacasa.com itself, it doesn't help us one bit. So um, what we spent a lot of time on in 2008 is figuring out how we can be how we can be relevant in every single local area in which we have units. So we have about 12,000 units at this point. We represent about 2,000 different markets. Um, but we try to look at each individual market and figure out what it is that ranks well and what it is that actually works well. So for example, if you're going to book in Big Bear, you type in Big Bear cabins most of the time, right? If you're looking for Park City, you might say vacation rentals. If you're saying different places in Florida, there's different terminology and search queries. So we spend a lot of time looking at keywords and figuring out what ranks well in each specific area. And then we look at how can we get links in those specific areas. So how can we find relevant chambers? How can we find relevant just events or activities or things in the area and get them to link to our specific page for that market? Um, we also spent a lot of time rebuilding the site and adding a, a CMS behind it so that we could actually cater specific metadata to every single market in which we're in. And before that, it was like if we want to change a word on the website, we'd have to go to an engineer and have them change it. Um, but we rebuilt the entire thing just from a foundational SEO perspective in terms of how it should have been. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's easier because we have a lot of pages. We have 20,000 pages on the site and we are better known. But um, you know, SEO is still a major focus, but that's, that's where we will invest more dollars um, every single time uh, if we can and if it makes sense. The last thing I will say though is that Google's making that a lot harder on us um, in that if you do a search for something like Hilton Head Vacation Rentals, you don't get to the first organic result, which we are number one or number two, depending on the day, until halfway down the page. So we are building products for SEM. We're building specific products to show up well in areas that we have lots of availability. We're looking to integrate with uh, Google's vacation rental beta, pro beta program, things like that, because it's just unfortunately, at least in our industry, you have to pay at some point to play at this point. And so um, while we're still investing in SEO, uh, we are doing a lot more on the SEM side as well. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, one follow-up on that is, on the page types, did you notice for SEO? I think recipes is a good example where now you can't you can't see a recipe result without people like having a full biography of everything that's happened to them before they get to the recipe. Did you find for SEO you needed to add more contextual content on a listings page or a page type or a page template just to give Google more text on a page or more content around you know probably what else whatever else you put on the page? Yeah, well, what's kind of cool is we did a thing, an experiment, not an experiment, but we actually introduced a new type of schema onto some of our pages, our SERP pages, so our search results pages within our site. One thing that's cool in the vacation rental industry is if you do that and you do it properly, they'll start showing your units, like, at the top of the SERP. Um, so it was actually, we're trying to add more context, but we're actually trying to do more markup. And this is something that I've talked with um, our team member a lot, our team a lot, is just like, we mark up every single page to a ridiculous extent. And it still works incredibly well. Um, so it's just all the foundational stuff, but the more you do of it, and the more specific, and the more uh, local that you can get with it, um, the better we've seen the results.
I deeply suspect that schema.org markup sometimes doesn't result in snippets, but does result in relevancy and keyword benefits. Yeah. And so a lot of times I think you may not see a snippet, but you may be relevant for a larger set of keywords. Absolutely. Schema.org markup on some of that stuff. Okay, uh, switching gears a little bit. This is for Anna and Kevin. As, as agency owners, I'm curious, how would you change the mix of what you know you would offer your clients in 2018 versus 19 in terms of would you go more or less social in your offering, more or less local? Like what in your typical client profile um, was different from what you might offer now versus last year? Yeah, so in 2019, it's surprisingly so our I originally, when we first launched about three years ago, we had a pretty even mix across our three core services. So that's paid advertising, SEO, and then content and social. Right now, we do probably closer to like 40, 45% on the content and social side. And now that includes paid social, so we're doing paid advertising on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. And then a small portion, only a very small portion, is actually SEO for us. And a lot of the work we're doing there, from what we found, is when we're working with our clients and, and their teams, is that we provide all the foundational um, elements and audit work and then hand off and work with their in-house team to then implement that. And so surprisingly, so surprising to me is the percentage of our work in SEO is actually a lot smaller. And on the paid side, it's probably about 25, 30% of, of our work. And I think I see that staying probably pretty much the same in 2019. Uh, a lot of the, the work that we do in terms of growing our clients' presence digitally and their digital footprint is around building their, their community and engagement and using influencers and micro-influencers um, to really start telling their story online. And so we do a lot of content creation, uh, social media strategy, and then implementation. So for, for us, the mix is going to stay probably the same for 2019. Wait. Keep that mic for a second. Would you, <laughs> would you say on the social side, because it sounds like you're leading pretty heavily into social and content creation for social channels. It, is it still the same kind of mix on that, like Facebook, Instagram? Like, did that change a little bit? Did you lean heavier into one social channel versus others? Yeah, we leaned a lot more heavily into Instagram. So we have essentially, Facebook has become our sort of evergreen channel, so we don't ignore it unless we do have some clients where their target audience, the majority of the personas we've developed for them are on Facebook, and so we do spend a considerable amount of time for them, um, but we have leaned very heavily into Instagram as our primary platform, just as a generalization across the board. Any new up-and-comers or things that you'd be like, I'm surprised we spend more time and more effort and more money on you know, Snapchat, more or less, or anything else, like maybe you spend more time on Reddit. I don't know, is there anything new in that mix? Um, for us, we've pretty much foregone Snapchat. I mean, we kind of rode that way probably, I think, 2016, and you know, we don't really recommend that as a channel for most of our clients, or actually all of our clients. Uh, Instagram Stories, though, has been a big place where we have um, invested time in training our clients and how to do it themselves, as well as you know, we're supporting on our end. And I think interesting for us is just kind of exploring how videos play a role in that, and so I think Instagram TV is another interesting place that we'll see some, some growth as I think video becomes more and more prominent, so. Um, so, I'd say in 2018, we very heavily focus on search, both organic SEO, paid, and when I think of search, I think of content, I kind of bucket content in that whole spectrum, because so we do a lot of content, so as far as what percentage 
value. We do a lot of value. That's correct. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy what a difference that makes, but I just changed my language with all the clients, and they start to just understand it a little bit more. It's don't, don't produce a bunch of crap like you're talking about with some of those clients. They're producing content, but it's like, no, let's actually create something worth uh, that's a, a value. So, um, But we have, a, we have a full team. So we have a team of 14. We have uh, designers, developers, uh, CRO expert. Uh, so we have... I don't really look at it as that. I look at it as a comprehensive strategy focusing on uh, understanding the customer and then understanding where they're at and how we can get in front of them. So we do everything from social media, though it's a smaller percentage of what we do, uh, organic search, uh, paid search, content, uh, benchmarking and analytics, CRO, website design, UX development, kind of the whole whole spectrum. So you're, you're kind of focused on end-to-end -end solutions for, for your client base. You very rarely get hired for one channel and, and nothing else. Yeah, and to me... Uh, to me, that's it's it's hard to hire someone who only does that one thing. Even most SEOs are in content, right? Like you have to be in content. Like if you're an SEO, if you're not, you're doing it wrong. In my humble, very humble opinion. Um, <laughs> um, so you know, today uh, having an integrated strategy is the only way you can really put a multiple on. Uh, growing your business significantly because if you're just doing that one thing, you're losing so much value, right? So people come to your website, you can drive thousands of visitors, but if they're not taking that desired action you want them to take on the website, you know, you're losing tons of value. And so when you can keep squeezing more value and, and juice out of that, then you start to see some real value. And uh, yeah, so. Anything from the crowd right now? It's a lot of yeah. Anybody else? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, just go ahead. <laughs> no. Um, that's a great question, and you highlighted some of the stuff of what we look at. Uh, the, the client example that I use, uh, they produced a ton of content, some of it good, some of it not good, but not great. It really wasn't. Um, and they were getting literally killed by their competitors who that bar of quality was sh sharing to it, linking to it, all that old school SEO tactics where it was clear this was a much more quality piece versus... Your one piece, if you put a lot of time and effort and energy into it, versus like these 20 pieces of content you produce where someone just wrote it up, someone edited it, and you pushed it out, um, got a lot more value. It was fun. It was on this client I keep referencing, I mean, they were getting outranked on almost all their terms from an SEO perspective. And it was just because, yeah, their competitors put a lot more energy and resources into there. And it was clear by links and the likes and all the shares. It was very obvious when we looked at it. So it was interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, I think just to tag on that, I, I think if you truly know your customer, you know what value is. So like if you dive down deep and you really get to know them, you're talking with them, you're doing surveys, you're, you have those, you're creating personas and you really know them, you know what their fears are, what their uncertainties are, what their desires are, how they make decisions. You can create content that resonates with that user. The problem is often that disconnect between not knowing what the customer wants. Because if you know what the customer wants, how hard is it to give them that? So it's really about looking at that. And yes, you have the objective metrics that you want to look at. Um, but to, to get to those objective metrics, you need to start by really understanding the customer and then delivering on what they need and doing it in an in-depth way. Is there someone else? Yeah. Um, I'm curious about the 
Yeah, so I love that question. I think the only nuance that I would add to that for us for quality content is around the personas and the brand voice. So it differentiates you know, content that provides good informational value is that as a brand you have this um, specific voice that you carry across all your content. And so when we write up our personas, we're writing out brand values for, for clients that we're actually writing up what that brand voice should look and feel like. And so all of that content should also have that layer of a consistent brand voice that differentiates them. All right, I can't let this go either. There's, a, there's an <laughs> article out there uh, look up the Clue Train Manifesto. It's an old, old book. It's been around forever. And, Did you say But really, good content, even if written poorly with bad grammar and spun, can have a hook. It can be funny, it can be sad, it can evoke emotions. Content that has a hook, a purpose, something other than just content for the sake of informational content. Um, can really make a difference. I would say that from my perspective of doing SEO this year, see this year was the first year I saw evergreen content that always ranked, that had a ton of links, start to get displaced by more recent content. With fewer links and fewer quality links as an SEO, I'm like, well, these, this doesn't have a link profile of the content, this has been ranking forever. I started to see a shift of, of Google leaning into recency on, on really evergreen competitive terms, which is, did the brand carry some weight in that? That's curious. Like, was it was it big brand names that was displacing the stuff you're looking at? No, some of the big brands were displaced. Okay. So there's a lot of evidence and studies out there, anecdotal per se, but there are uh, plugins that let you magically change the coverage date of your old content. Uh, and yeah, I felt like this. I felt like this was linked recency. Like nobody bothers linking to this yeah. thing that's been ranking for ten years anymore. This has 10 new links, and Google's like, sweet, you write number two now. So it was, you know, job security for SEOs. <laughs> <laughs> 21 new relatives. <laughs> this is not my computer. <laughs> <laughs> this is not my PC. So anything. <laughs> hey, Matt. Uh, this gentleman has had, a, had his hand up, hey, waiting right. patiently. No worries. Yeah. So how critical do we think, like, there's the, you know, content, you know, we're talking about content, 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 keyword phrase match, write it well. How critical is the technical stuff of SEO going to be in 2019? Alt text, title attributes, file names, load times, H1 tags, two tags, title tags, match All the, the things. The technical stuff. How, yeah. how critical do you guys think that's going to be parallel under over just having a thousand words versus versus that in 2019. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Um, I mean, perhaps I'm old school in the sense, but yeah, the the technical SEO aspect is never, at least not not saying never, but it's not going away. It's incredibly important, and um, you know, while we don't get to leverage from like the brand perspective uh, that Matt was speaking to, like we thought, but. Um, when we change an H1, like we can see a result within a few days sometimes. And when we change a title tag, it's like the same thing. Um, part of the main reasons that we actually wanted to rebuild the website with a CMS behind it was so that we could do technical SEO. And it has, I think in Q4, we were up 75% year-over-year organic sessions. And that was only because we, do, we didn't do anything novel other than make the site faster and tag it, or sorry, mark it up better. And those are the two things. From a content perspective, we have a fantastic content team like that writes a lot of really good stuff, and we use it to target long-tail queries 
for people looking for cool articles of things to do in areas, but also on the site itself, it's, we're very meticulous with it. It doesn't just go out because we need to fill a box. So it, it is very important, but um, you know, I would still say the technical SEO piece is, is why it's, it's, especially for like, a lot of people just bash it at this point. They say it's not important. It's incredibly important, and it, and it makes a huge difference. I, uh, what Caleb said, no. Uh, no. <laughs> Thanks, Caleb. <Yeah. laughs> Glad I could contribute. Uh, so I think it's going to become even more important because the web is going to become even more visual. Uh, and from a technical standpoint, um, it's, it's more important than ever to make sure that you're marking up those things correctly. We have all sorts of new things that are coming out all the time, like AMP stories uh, coming up. And it's like, that's much more technical to, to do and actually handle that. And really, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, how important is a, if you put a no index tag on the website? Yeah, it's not going to get indexed, right? So technical SEO, a lot of the content's not going to be there without it, but you can get good fundamental technical SEO from the get-go in a lot of cases, and then from there kind of keep it going. But the web as we know it is going to become much more visual. The ability to process, um, processing power is increasing exponentially. So images, videos, audio, uh, we'll start to see a lot more of that in 2019 uh, as far as being indexed uh, and being able to be understood by search engines because the combination of that and AI, the ability to understand that information. So technical SEO, you're in a good spot. Local SEO, you're in a good spot. Content, you're in a good spot for you know another five, 10 years. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of people letting their SEO program around. So looking at yeah. a lot of services here, I, I, I would look at titles, call tags, how pages were tuned, and I'm like, you've missed this completely now. Google has moved this search result all the way over here. You've left your SEO program here, and there's opportunity there to tune, retune your page to all of how Google has searched intent from. Maybe it's not transactional, it's informational now. So keeping up with that, you're gonna find competitors that just don't, and so they drop off. If you keep your pages tuned on the technical side, I think that there's a lot of opportunity you got it. In the very back on the left, I think, was she was. Yeah, she was first. What does markup on the site mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> means lots of things. Um, yeah, so uh, it's, it's basically when you're writing a piece of content, not necessarily changing the story, but changing the way that you present that story, and changing the way that you're actually what you're actually targeting. So we have uh, an SEO content writer on our team who has learned how SEO works, um, and that was the kind of the intent behind it. Right, was that we don't want to stymie the creativity, but we want to ensure that as she's writing things, she kind of is thinking about what the intended outcome of it is. And so the the markup is actually not done by her; it's done by SEOs, but. Um, it's basically trying to find a key point, at least for us, a key point within your content with what you're writing, with what you're trying to focus on. And so whenever you're thinking about, hey, if someone's going to find it, they're going to find it this way, right? They're going to find it through this keyword or this kind of query. Recipes are probably the greatest so, example. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, think of a, uh, so the best way to probably get, so have you understand it is when you do a search result and you look for like a recipe, do you ever see where it's, it's not just a blue link and a little description, it actually has information about the recipe below it? So we use like schema markup on the website so that Google can easily pull that information and show it in the search results. That's one of the ways that can be done. But it's basically code. You don't see it on the page, the text. Does that make sense? Okay, so. Yeah. 
I was thinking the same thing. Come on. Uh, <laughs> We mark up our CEO's name in some stuff. Um, so yeah, we, we do. We are uh, specific about what we actually mark up, and um, we've introduced a lot over the last year or so uh, in terms of different ways of actually ranking for different stuff based on what they're releasing. But yeah, there's hundreds of types of like schema that you can do nowadays, and so we don't do all of it. Uh, we do we select what it is that makes sense for our business. Um, but you know, the the more you do, it's not necessarily more is better. Thing, right, you, you want to find what actually you want to try to rank for versus what you think you might be able to, uh, because like to Kevin's point earlier, it's like if you get people on the site that you don't want or that don't want your content or don't want your site, it doesn't do any good anyway. So we're pretty specific about it. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Yeah. Have you implemented um, schema to be able to like um, start listening, like when they do the uh, audio? So it's schema to start reading the page because I hate it. I can listen to content all the time and it starts and it reads all the ads. Oh, anyone yeah. else listens? Um, but have you implemented that on the site? <coughs> That's a really good question, Joe. Uh, <laughs> have we? Uh, we? We are currently evaluating. <laughs> <laughs> We're currently evaluating. Let me, let me know. <laughs> let me know. Like, yeah, here. So the kind of schema that matters for one website, right. though. Who asked that question? Schema. Oh, right gentleman there, yeah. right there. So the kind of schema that matters for a website <laughs> is going to vary over over all kinds of sites. They just came out with uh, question schema. Yep. FAQ schema is coming out now. We just completed a, I don't know how many hundred page FAQ section in so many topics uh, last year. And not one drop of schemas on it because there was no FAQ schema. So now someone's going to have to go back in and, and recode all these pages because Google is starting to show those questions. You know, when you, uh, when you do a search in Google, that information that, that, you know, to go back to the markup question earlier, I mean, that's, I think, the markup that she was maybe asking about. When Google shows that information in the search results and says, here, we've stolen this from this website for you, <laughs> and you don't even have to go grace them with your presence, we'll just steal the answer and show it to you right here, which prevents you from even going to visit the, the website. Um, that's all being fed by schema. So schema.org, if, if there are categories that apply to your business and you're not using schema.org, I think that's a mistake. So, so to expand upon that, if you were using, like, let's say, a home construction business, right? are you filling out essentially all objects in the end? Or just... The answer is I yes. I learned the hard way this year with, with a lot of that times. Um, the structured data testing tool, that's the de facto, you can check if you have errors. The structured data errors in Google Search Console sometimes won't show you those errors, and you find them out and like, oh, this is all bad. But I wasn't seeing it in Search Console, so I thought it was good. But you'll find a lot of those required classes and some that they don't even accept. Like you see it in the scheme.org markup, but they also say like, we don't even know what this is. Like the structured data testing tool should be your de facto. Um, do we need yeah, this object inside the schema, keep or <laughs> are we missing some, or are there some that we have in there that they're not even listing as valid? So okay. I, I would test everything through that, and it kind of gives you a good idea of what what objects you might be missing inside that particular schema. So I want to fin finish this off just because I know there's some other questions here, but I want to give just a, a snippet into a snippet into the power <laughs> of schema, pun intended. Now. Um, 
we had a client that we were transitioning uh, in the B2B space, uh, basically a directory of 2.3 million URLs uh, over to another site. Um, they launched the new directory, um, schema markup on all the people, on all the locations, all that stuff was good. Um, the crawl would only ever get to 230,000 pages. Um, and we implemented RELPREV next in the directory and it went from 230,000 to 1.7 million in the index by that one little thing, because they just hadn't implemented that one recommendation. They implemented it, all of a sudden the crawl went up. So it can, ha it can have some seriously powerful effects. I think there's a question for everybody. Yeah. Don't send out an email, just so you usually know what you subscribe. And um, it talks about how they recommend you go through your website, and old content, old blog posts you've done that aren't relevant anymore to the wisdom. <laughs> and then to actually combine blog posts that are compared, you know, maybe they're about the same topic or similar topic and combine them. I, I wonder what you guys uh, Scott sounded like he felt strongly about that. Yeah, well, hopefully the line after it said delete them Well, and check the traffic before and, you delete yeah, them. Yeah. Go to your analytics. You have two, <laughs> three, leads, five yeah. posts that are all drawing a little bit of traffic, and they're all kind of about the same topic. Absolutely, find the best ranking one. Go in and make that a great page with a lot of the content from the old, the other two, three, four, and then redirect all those to the main page and make one power page that's you know 1,800, 2,500 words and make it a leader. Those days of multiple pages and you know a different. <laughs> doorway, what do we call it? Doorway pages. Doorway pages. I still have some of them. I know. And they, <laughs> they still will draw traffic, but you don't want to dilute that effort. You know, you there's a, we used to put up two blog posts a month. You two blog posts a month, no matter what. So we could say the same thing a hundred different ways. And uh, those kinds of crummy you look at your analytics, you'll see which pages aren't getting traffic anymore and either either remove and redirect those or take that content and pump up the ones that are. That's real good advice. Where, where did it come from? Dell? You said? Yoast. Oh, Yoast. Yoast. Yeah, yeah, good idea. I thought you said Dell. We've talked about a lot of nonsense that's not local SEO, which is usually problematic. So let's talk about local a little bit. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned a little bit about Google My Business functionality and features that are coming down. They've already been launched that we should pay attention to. What, what GMB and local SEO stuff should we talk about? Oh my goodness, uh, we don't have time to cover it all, but um, Google My Business is, is just rolled out feature after feature. Um, we can talk a little bit about where they're going with this. Obviously they, they want the more and more users are taking action directly in Google My Business and never even making it to your website. That doesn't mean your website's not important, don't think that, at least not yet. <laughs> Got another five years or so. Um, but. Right now, Google My Business has so many different features in there, and what I, one of the things I love about it is there's a psychology behind some of your customers where, hey, I'm getting, I, you look at their actual conversions that you're tracking, and you say, hey, you're getting 80% of your conversions from organic, and you only got 1% from social, but they go, well, I interacted with that person on social, so I know they messaged me and I interacted with them, and so now I know that. Well, now you have that feature in uh, Google My Business, and I see all the time because I have the app on my phone. My customers are getting text messages, getting notifications through there, chatting with them, and buying products 
that to me is so powerful because it's, a, it's not only a great feature and you know, especially uh, the younger generation wants to be able to just message you, um, but it also uh, tells the business owner that this is working for them in a way that's not just analytics, it's actual customers contacting them directly through the interface and download, the, you know, they get text, but we make sure all of our customers download the app, that they're doing posts. Engagement is critical with Google My Business. Make sure that they're doing posts, they're using the event feature, the special offer. There's so much just in the posts feature. And then all of the services, that just launched back in maybe September, I think, or August, somewhere around there. Yeah, services uh, rolled out. So you can list all your services in there. The Q&A functionality is huge. As a business owner, you should post the question and also answer it. Google actually recommends that. If you go look at their guidelines, they recommend that. A lot of people don't realize that. I saw by some of the expressions. <laughs> um, but you can actually answer it as well, and I would recommend doing that because you're going to get people that go in there and ask some ridiculous questions or they leave a review as a question just because they don't know. Um, and sometimes other people will answer it and they'll answer it incorrectly. But there's literally tons of different features. The insights, one of the things that we've gotten better at is uh, reporting the insights from Google My Business to our clients as well rather than just analytics. So pulling in those insights, how many phone calls they're getting from Google My Business, how many visits, how many of those visits are actually coming from search, how many coming from Google Maps, uh, all that kind of information. I could keep going on, so I'll stop myself. Was that a five-year thing or prediction of yours? Sure. Your last one are pretty accurate. Yeah. Five years, I'd say, is is, is where we'll start to see a bigger decline. Uh, in that because it's just like Facebook. Facebook doesn't want you to leave their website, right? Like when you're on Facebook, you can buy ads for a lot less if you're not leaving the website. So they want you on their property. So, but, so you. I just want to channel David Mim and say, let's start calling Google My Business listings business profiles. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you don't need, like, you can get to the points where it's like, that's your website, right? Yeah. Like there is... Google is rapidly moving towards that. I mean, he'd be a little more effusive about that. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I tell my clients your Google My Business page is a shadow website. You know, you ignore it, it's in your hair. But my question was uh, back to predictions. Um, there's a lot of hype around voice. And so I'm curious, you know, are we five years away from this being reality and or what your prediction is. And then secondly, you know, you talked about the importance of, you know, the written word. Uh, what should we be thinking about? What sort of changes should we be thinking about as we think about content or value and optimization as we transition from text to spoken language? That's a lot of questions there. Whew. Yeah, so you kind of stole my thunder for my 2019 prediction, and that is that 2019 will not be the year of the voice. Um, So, uh, you know, I I think it will be, if I was doing predictions for five years from now, sure. If I'm doing it for 2019, it's not. And, And the reason for that is because we're just not far along enough yet. You're getting a lot of smart technology adoption. You're seeing a lot of searches being done. But unfortunately, it's still not at the place yet where you can take actually that contextual question and put it into an actionable format. And you can with some industries. So like very specific service industries or very specific um, near me type searches, 
you can find things, but if you're talking anything transactional, unless you're Amazon or Google or someone that actually has an e-commerce function, um, you're not gonna see transactional anytime soon. And secondly, like, it's just, it's not, it's still, if you look at the search volume for the ones that everyone, you know, Amazon wants you to look at or Google wants you to look at versus actual total search volume, it's still minuscule. It, it is so small comparatively. So I, I think it'll, it'll continue to ramp. It'll continue to go up. Uh, it just, it won't be like you're the mobile. It's going to be you're the voice for like 18 <laughs> I years. Agree. And, <laughs> and so um, I think we're like the very outset of that. So uh, I wouldn't put too much effort into it, I guess. I think he, one of his predictions was this will be the year that Google puts out a completely nonsensical BS stat about yeah. voice <laughs> search that nobody can prove or disprove, but yeah. it gets everybody pretty excited. Yeah, um, I think voice is uh, an important step, it's, but it's, it's, it's in its infancy right now. So it's, it's all the rage, everyone's talking about it, but it's really just in its, in, in its infancy. It's going to be... It's going to be huge. It's, uh, I mean, but it is probably more of a five to ten year kind of prediction as far as it taking over standard searches. That doesn't mean you shouldn't ignore it. So as far as how to optimize for it, uh, it's just about. There's a couple different things. One is position zero, right? So if you're position zero would be like their snippet. If you ask a question, it gives the instant answer box right there. So that's one way to optimize for voice, because if you're doing a voice query, it's often going to read that to you. So uh, SEM Rush has a great feature where you can actually go through the keywords and find the who, what, when, where, why, and how of all the different keywords. And if you can answer those questions, you're going to have a better, and, and again, providing a lot of value, a lot of depth. You can even, uh, there's actually another tool in SEM Rush where you can analyze competitors, see what they're doing, all the content that they're doing, utilize that to create some great content so that you're delivering even more value. Uh, and then if you're answering that in a really good way, we actually did uh, what you were talking about before as far as combining some content the client had, answering question more in depth, and then uh, it actually started showing up for a lot of those uh, rich snippets uh, as far as voice search. But using, uh, using schema, using natural language, conversational, uh, and then depending on the specific um, type of um, rich snippet or the answer box, uh, it's going to vary differently based on unordered lists or, or um, unordered lists or different types of content that rank better for that. So look at that as well as far as how to uh, optimize for those specific queries. But um, I could go on uh, on that quite a bit. I think one thing to think about is uh, digital assistants and voice is they're tied together at the hip, so to speak. And uh, a lot of people think of digital assistants as the device in your home, but uh, there's more digital assistants out there than the ones that are actually in your home that are on people's phones. Like Google has 10 million uh, installs of their assistant, um, but Alexa is beating them as far as home installs in the home. So you're gonna have a battle heat up between uh, Alexa and you know, Google Assistant for sure. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I got a question about Hmm. And the difference Bing versus Bing has a business. Yes. Also, Bing business versus Google. What? Yeah. Who's this Bing you talk of? <laughs> Bing it. Just, just Bing it. <laughs> You should buy Firefox? I would bet heavily against that. <laughs> yeah, I would bet heavily against that. I mean, it's possible, but I, I 
I wouldn't pay for my bags. Uh, I would love to wake up one day and have a business that was being focused and Sheesh. had a percentage of traffic or was visible on being business so I could rely on being instead of Google. That's my dream. I personally, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what happens with Bing. They're still growing, right? It was 30% was the last team that I saw as far as when you talk about search Always. engine market share, right? It's always the same number. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's 30%. It's the Yahoo yeah. Bing. If you combine those two, I will pull up the, the, this reference because, yes, that's accurate. When you put Yahoo and Bing together and all their partner sites, yeah. <laughs> I need to see analytics. I'll show you. All right, this is fine. This is fine. I mean, it's fake news. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I would, I mean, notice this all laugh. I would not put a lot of time and energy into Bing. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Bing. Their CEO has also said, like, he's come out and said, we're, we're not an advertising business. Like, he's firmly said that. I, and I'm interested to see. I, I still see investments from being and, and they still update their algorithm and all this but I'm like uh, long term I can't see it I don't know but that's just again speculation at this point you're holding mic I got I want to go right to left on this uh, new tools blogs something new in 2018 that you're like yeah this was rad I love this we'll buy this I read this I subscribe to this like what do you have that's like a that's new and improved for 2018 that you, that you found hmm I mean, a tool? Unless you discovered it in the last few days. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit, the first one that comes to mind for me. So anybody that's in Google, Google now Google Ads interface, they did a huge refresh, and it was a lot to take in for any like people that have been long-term practitioners in the formerly Google AdWords. Um, with that, they're pushing a lot of stuff, which I actually am now finding more useful. Um, this goes into like predictions of like Google's pushing really hard from the AdWords side or Google Ads side into automation, really heavy. Um, we don't get on a call with, and we have a, a regular Google Ads rep where they don't push automation um, in some form. And actually some of it, if you talk to our company a couple years ago, uh, we wouldn't have adopted a lot of it. But if you're not adopting some automation from Google Ads these days, I think you're being really short-sighted. We're adopting parts of it. Um, some of it's highly effective. If you think you're smarter than Google's algorithms that they build there, you're, again, short-sighted. Um, so, and even from ours, we have a little different business model, but you gotta adopt some of it. And the new ads interface, it's in your face. They've made it much easier. If you also wanna see where Google's going, uh, optimize some of their um, mobile apps in their interface. It's so different. You just like, it's, all, it's a legit set it, forget it. Like you just like, here's my, ABC elements and go optimize Google and that's where they're going um, and it's clear they push it constantly and so to your question uh, when we first rolled out huge pushback across our company because it was it was a complete mind shift of, of the interface but it's becoming more useful surprisingly and I can you, you really get an idea of where Google's going and some of the integrations they've had has been helpful are we going down the yeah, sure. um, well I already mentioned Google my business uh, local service ads was really cool. Um, I don't know anybody familiar with local service ads. Few people. Uh, so they're call only ads from Google. It's really in the home services industry mainly. Um, those rolled out, and we've been testing those with a lot of our clients that are kind of plumbers or uh, garage door. Um, 
electricians, things like that. Uh, and it's Google, they, they actually have to jump through a bunch of hoops. It takes like 60 days to actually get them approved. But it's kind of cool because they actually have an app on their phone. When they get a call, they can, uh, they're actually, there's an algorithm around when they respond or not. Um, but they're paying per call, and because you're in the, you're in it so like so beginning, you're paying for like twenty dollars a call. Um, so it's actually pretty good. The the bad is it's a black box, meaning you don't have negative keywords. You might be paying for brand uh, mentions when someone's actually searching for your brand, and you're paying for that call. That happens in regular ads as well. But um, but there's a lot of really good things about it as well, and I, I'd recommend it for a lot of uh, companies that are in that local service that are approved categories. In fact, one of the, my predictions would be that they're going to greatly expand that list in uh, 2019, continue rolling out those call-only ads. And uh, while a lot of people think that's, you know, like afraid for uh, organic SEO, it's, I don't feel that way whatsoever. So, yeah, I'll go a little bit different direction in terms of like tools or things that we actually introduced. Um, so we do a lot of testing on our website. I don't know if you guys do a lot of testing with your clients or on your website itself. And so we used to be an Optimizely shop. Um, so we use Optimizely to do a lot of testing. It's pretty expensive. It's got some cool features, but um, we actually moved over to Google Optimize. So Google Optimize is free, like completely free. Now it's all client side, so we have to use something different for server side, but like. All client-side testing is completely free and it ties in with Google Analytics. Um, so it, it's, it's actually really helpful because we can run really quick tests, um, we can see the results really fast, um, and, and data has been a big focus for us. And so you know, I'd say Google Optimize would be one, and then uh, on the data perspective, we, we really have tried to understand what it is that our clients are doing, not just like last-click attribution, but like what are they doing? Like how are they finding us through all these different channels? and trying to figure out like how much value we find in each channel. So does it take them like three times to visit our website before they actually convert? Okay, cool, what are the three channels? And then using tools like Looker to kind of visualize that or using a, a tool called Segment, which is kind of cool, it's clickstream data. See, it's a very simple tag you put into your site and it just tracks everything that happens on your site. Um, so we actually invested a lot in data, but if I could say like for, you know, Testing and things like that, and making it ease, just Google Optimize is, is pretty incredible with running experiments that are pretty quick and, and easy to kind of gauge. So on my end, I'm gonna talk a little bit about social, and I'm not sure how many people in the room uh, run social campaigns or manage social for their clients, but we didn't talk a lot about it, but so in 2018, you know, we've done a lot of testing across tools for content, pla content planning, content publishing, and so what, from, from that, we've used expensive tools, we've used client tools that are super expensive, and we actually have moved completely over to probably like 99% of our clients to co-schedule. And it's just a fantastic platform that allows you to organize content by campaign, it allows you to share the full calendar that opens up the, the content so they can actually see what the post is gonna look like before it goes live. There's approval functionality, and it's just a really clean way for anyone who's managing social content for clients to, to lay out the entire calendar um, across multiple different months. It also is real time. So if we're in there making updates to content for clients, um, the client can just click on their client link and actually go in and see the updates real time. And so it's kind of a living, breathing, working document that has been, or working tool platform that has been really effective for managing the you know, hundreds of pieces of content for social for our clients. So I've done a lot of testing across different tools and it's just been a really great one that we found in 2018. Uh, for me, probably the 
the biggest, the, the most useful tool that I saw come out in uh, 2018, I was, I was actually a judge for the U.S. Search Awards and we saw all these amazing tools, stuff that I'd never heard of. And you had to go through and join them and everything and try them. And there's some really conceptually neat stuff. One of the coolest tools is a company, frankly, I don't even remember the name anymore because during the, during the voting period, Screaming Frog, who's not heard of Screaming Frog? Anybody? Okay, you're dead. It's free for small websites. It has the most amazing addition called visualization. You can, you can, have you seen the, it's just fantastic. You can look at your site under what's called visualization and you suddenly see the entire tree structure. You can see the fact that all of your blog author pages have all these links to them and you can suddenly look at the structure of your website and this, you know, it can be a site from 10, 10 page website to that you suddenly find out has you know 40 crawlable pages to a, a page that's a site that's thousands of pages long. You can see your entire structure. You can click on the little circles and expand them everywhere they link to. It gives you a whole bird's eye view perspective of your site, how Google sees it, and it's the the most useful tool I found over 2019. Um, the other one was a tool I just found this week. I had to make like. 30 some phone calls and, and everyone I called kept answering the phone and I was really busy. So I found a service that will automatically bypass people's phone and go right to their voicemail. Like it was the coolest thing. It's called, it's called yes, I kid you not, I've got the name right here. It's called Sly Broadcast. Okay, so you can go in there, you can record a, hey, sorry I missed you, but I'm not familiar with nature. And then you can broadcast that to an entire list of phone numbers. It's the coolest thing. And it goes right to their voicemail. And I know it works because I got called back. Hey, thanks for calling me. Or somebody, and it gives your caller ID. Somebody called me back and said, hey, I just missed your call. What did you want? And I was like, uh, oh, I left you a voicemail. It was just so slick. Three hours of work in like two minutes. No, no, no. <laughs> Just in case you guys all get a message from us. <laughs> okay, uh, it is six thirty, so I want to do one oh my last gosh. round of questions. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna since the mic's right here. I'm not a big email fan. I hate it. But um, our moderator, who didn't show, has a company called Tidy. Email is a great channel. You're and since he's not, I know. I'm sure it is for people who like email. Um, but Tidings, I, I tell all my clients, Tidings is an amazing program for a small business, medium business that doesn't want to go through all the hassle and headache of creating their own newsletter. Um, if you haven't seen tidings, I, I believe that loyal, I read certain emails, I'm loyal to some, but they, they're so, I get so many emails, they get lost in the cracks. And I think tidings is the most amazing business email platform uh, that I've found. And part two of your question was? Uh, SEO podcast. Oh, there's just, I, I, I devote my Friday Fridays to listening to Barry Schwartz's, like every Friday morning, first thing I do, it's on my outlook, I listen to Barry's video of the week. It summarizes all the posts he made from the week, from all the threads he made for the week, and it's like a 10, 12 minute video. It'll catch you up, and it gives you links to go 
follow to learn a little bit more about specific items. And that's, uh, other than that, like if I'm listening to a podcast, I, my head's full, I'm not messing I'm sorry, what was the name? The Barry Schwartz Search Engine Roundtable, Friday mornings, every Friday, rain or shine, pretty much. He's, he's summarizing what happened the previous week in search, and uh, there's always plenty of links and information. It's not a podcast, but that's how I treat it, and that's how I stay kind of on top of when I need to. Barry Schwartz, SEO Roundtable. Just briefly on the email front, we actually think email is coming back in terms of being an effective yes. marketing channel. So we don't specifically specialize in email, but we, we do have some capability in-house, so we're able to, to run some small scale campaigns and work within our clients' platforms. Um, but we think that you know, with all of the personalization capabilities, segmentation, that it's actually a really effective channel that we actually incorporate into our strategies as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the email train as well. Um, we don't do a terrible amount of it yet. Um, however, it becomes a lot more powerful when you tie it in with like user logins, or you tie it in with actually data that you know about these people, yeah. and it can stay in front of them, but also give them very personalized emails. I'm not a big fan of just sending out a newsletter every week um, if it's not somewhat uh, catered to that specific person. But the one email function that um, I would definitely implement, if you are on a transactional website, is an abandoned card email because those things convert like crazy. They're awesome. And so if someone goes and is about to book, puts in their email address, make your checkout process to where they actually have to put their email address in early and then abandon card email that person and say, hey, come on back. Here's a link. Come book this reservation or come book or come buy this, these shoes or whatever the case is. Like it, it, it works really well. It's, it's highly transactional and um, we're not doing that today. That's pretty low hanging fruit. Um, we highly recommend email as well. We try to get our clients to do it internally as much as possible. Uh, use everything from like CRM tools to like Drip and MailChimp, of course. Uh, hopefully everyone knows about MailChimp. Um, constant contact, all those kind of things. Uh, that's great, but uh, I think automation is huge and should be leveraged uh, for the right client. Uh, as far as SEO podcasts, um, Search Metrics just launched a new, uh, it's on my list to listen to, uh, but they just launched a new SEO podcast called Voices of Search Podcast. Um, and you'll have to wait till February, but uh, Web4 is going to launch a, a podcast next month, so we'll have one around then, too. I don't think I have a lot to add. The only, thing I've, the only thought that came to mind for me is uh, email's not going away anytime soon. I mean, what did Adobe just buy Marketo for? I seriously think Four it's billion. $5 billion. Four billion. Four billion. And let's be honest, they call themselves marketing automation. It's just an email. They've done email smarter, and it's tied into Salesforce. Four billion dollars. So it's not going away. It's going to continue to be huge. 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 Last question. Let's give our panel a round of applause.